righty, what is going on? Welcome to the show. 1206 Thursday. Thanks for uh, joining me. Let me be a part of your day. I appreciate it. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. And the uh, phone number is here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. You can also uh, hit me up on the Twitter machine. That's just my name, at Pete Callender. I actually just celebrated my 12-year birthday on Twitter. I know. I didn't, you don't need to give me anything. It's fine. You can actually, <laughs> you can actually, if I've blocked you or angered you on Twitter, you can thank former Charlotte City Councilman Warren Cooksey for convincing me to get onto the platform. Lo, those many years ago. Yeah, 12 years ago. And the only reason I know that is because they sent me some, hey, it's your Twitter birthday or something. So that's it. Uh, speaking of Twitter, it's one of the platforms that is uh, going to is being asked by Democrats in Congress to turn over all of the Democrats' political opponents' tweets and messages. Twitter's not the only platform, obviously. They're hitting up all of them as like 30-something platforms that they're going to and saying, hey, we would very much like all of the communications of our political opponents. Because really, like... We haven't fully gone uh, Banana Republic status yet. This, like, this will do it, though. This will do it. Can't wait to see what happens. Do you remember? I kind of remember. Wasn't there some deal where the Republicans <clears throat> wanted to see communications between a particular Democrat on the uh, on one of the House committees? Uh, what was his name? Oh, yeah, Adam Schiff. That guy. And all of his communications between the Parties involved in the Russia collusion investigation. And remember how outraged Democrats were about that. Now they're going after basically every Republican. The uh, House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, is warning telecommunication companies not to hand over records to the House committee that is investigating the January 6th storming of the U.S. Capitol, according to Republicans. Uh, They will not forget it if they regain a majority. Right. This will obviously send us down this path, right? Because, and look, you can make the argument that the House Select Committee that's doing the partisan investigation, and by the way, let me just stop for the folks who are like, shouldn't we investigate it? Uh, Yeah, that's what we have the law enforcement agencies. That's what they're doing. Have you not seen all of their posts about We need help identifying these, you know, thousands of people. Here are their pictures. And they've been, like, putting them all over the place, trying to to get everybody to rat out their grandmother who was at the MAGA rally on January 6th, you know, a mile down the road. And uh, they've been sending out all these pictures, and they've been arresting people, and they've been throwing them in jail for, like, six months now or so. And um, so that's who's doing the investigation. So... Spare me the, um, the, well, you don't want to investigate the January 6th insurrection argument. I've heard it. It, it doesn't hold water. What the Democrats are interested in doing is uh, keeping the story alive, keeping it in the news cycles because it keeps their base agitated. And agitation, uh, agitation rather, is uh, a pretty remarkable motivator to get the Democrat base to turn out. 
And if you can give them apparel, preferably hats of a pink color, usually, yeah, that works well, too. So uh, you've got this House Select Committee, and they're now going after hundreds. They're asking for hundreds of people's uh, information that they're from all these telecom companies. They're saying that they want all of the telecom and the uh, uh, the platforms to preserve all the records because they they're gonna. We're not sure if we need them, but we might totally need them. So don't get rid of anything. We because we we might go after like all of these hundreds of people. And the Republicans are like, you do that. Just keep this in mind. When we take over the House at some point, we're going to do it to you. You're, we're going to do it to you. The committee on Monday asked 35 social media and telecommunications companies to preserve phone or computer records for hundreds of people who were potentially involved with efforts to, quote, challenge, delay, or interfere with the certification of President Joe Biden's victory or otherwise try to overturn the results of the 2020 election. That is a really, really broad Description. This is from, uh, by the way, the Associated Press. Story by Travis Pittman, Mary Claire Jelonic, uh, and it appears at abc10.com. So efforts to challenge the certification. Efforts to challenge the certification. You mean like Democrats have done in basically every presidential election for the last, I don't know, 20 years? Democrats have been doing this every time Republicans win. They always challenge the certification and it's like a procedural thing. Look, the 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 law concerning the certification thing is it's a mess. It's just a mess. I know far be it for me to suggest that some, you know, lawmakers kind of totally bricked on writing law, but it happened and it's it's a mess. And so you've had Democrats that have challenged these certifications for years. So now just because you've got Republicans that did the same thing Democrats did, now you want to get every one of their text messages and emails so you can read all of that stuff going on around the election. I mean, how far back are you going to go? How, how, and what kind of time period are you, you looking at all the way up to the present? By the way, we are going to get to the CMS test scores and also in the third hour, so uh, at uh, 2.30, we're going to talk state redistricting. No, we'll make it interesting, I promise. We're going to talk to Jim Blaine. He's a differentiator. What is that? Well, you'll have to tune in at 2.30 to find out. Okay. Uh, So Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, is warning telecom companies and social media platforms that if they start helping Democrats in this uh, House Select Committee, this partisan witch hunt, as the Republicans are calling it, uh, then they should expect, Democrats should expect uh, to see the Republicans do the same thing to them if they get back in power. And also uh, telecom companies, they, the Republicans may start paying you extra attention. Hey, this is what happens when you start playing politics, though, right? This is, it ain't beanbag, isn't that what they say? McCarthy responded to a move by the, um, oh, this was hilarious. Uh, Hang on, let me back up before I get to that part here. The committee did not release the list of individuals targeted, but it includes 
former President Donald Trump, members of his family and several of his Republican allies in Congress, according to a a person familiar with the confidential request who requested anonymity to discuss it with the AP. So (laughs) so not a confidential request at all. Right. You're going to make a confidential request of all these companies, and then you're going to immediately go give it to the AP so the AP can report it. And then they quote Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat, chair of the committee. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, there's your leak. He's the only one quoted in the article. So I'm going to say he's probably the one. But you are, so you're providing information, confidential information, you're leaking out information to the media as you make these confidential requests. Almost as if there's some sort of a partisan nature to the investigation. Thompson said that the committee would be requesting the records preservation for several hundred people. Um, The probe could take months or even years if they needed to, to get to the next election. Okay, I added that last part. As the Democrat-led panel conducts interviews, holds public hearings, and prepares a comprehensive report on how the mob was able to infiltrate the Capitol and uh, interrupt the certification of Biden's presidential victory. It was the most serious assault on Congress in two centuries. Not the most recent, by the way, because you'd have to ignore the bombings by leftists. Yeah, Leftists, they did a couple bombings of the, did you know that? Yeah, they did one in 1983. They bombed the second floor of the U.S. Senate wing. Some group called the Armed Resistance Unit, or ARU, which I think I saw open for leftover salmon. Anyway, um, they were mad about Lebanon and uh, the military action in Grenada, which... (laughs) Grenada, really? Like, that's that's what drove you to bomb the Capitol was Grenada. <clears throat> okay, well, uh, they arrested seven people in connection with that. And then, of course, there was the big one back in March of 1971, before I was born. A bomb exploded in the Capitol building, causing hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. Didn't hurt anybody. A group calling itself the Weather Underground claimed credit for the bombing, which was done in protest of the ongoing Uh, U.S.-supported Laos invasion. The so-called weathermen were a radical faction of the Students for a Democratic Society, or SDS. The weathermen advocated violent means to transform American society. By the way, this is not from the AP article, in case you were wondering. This is from History.com. you got to go someplace else to find out the history, because you're not going to get it in the AP. They just wanted to throw out that little nugget of, oh, it's the worst in 200 years. I don't know. A bomb went off in the Capitol. That sounds pretty bad. That was 1971. But they were Marxists, and they're kind of connected to Democrats. You know, Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, uh, was it Chesa Bowden's dad? Right? Wasn't he, wasn't he a weatherman with the Brinks robbery? Killed a, killed a couple people, or maybe it was just one, right? The, the DA out in San Francisco, that guy, Chesa Bowden, who's letting all the criminals out, that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they were, they were Marxists. Um, the philosophical foundations of the Weathermen were Marxist in nature. They believed that militant struggle was the key to striking out against the state to build a revolutionary consciousness among the young, particularly the white working class. Their primary tools to achieving these ends were 
arson and bombing. And uh, they also hit uh, Long Island Courthouse, the New York Police Department headquarters, the Pentagon, the State Department. And nobody was ever killed in these bombings because the bombers always called in advance and warned people to get out before they blew up the buildings. Three members did kill themselves, though, when they, their bomb stuff went off. It blew up in their apartment in 1970. But um, ashes scattered to the wind, as they were. But we don't like to talk about them because <clears throat> they're friends with the left. And uh, they're, you know, freedom fighters. Oh, did you see Project Veritas? I just mentioned them yesterday. I talked, we were talking, or two days ago. We were discussing uh, investigative journalism. I forget who it was. Somebody called in and we were chatting about, you know, why don't newsrooms do investigative journalism? And and there are some, like, give credit where it's due, David Hodges and Nick Oxner over at WBTV. And there's a reason why, by the way, they they have a pipeline of investigations that they're able to do. It's because, first off, they're able to, like, their management lets them do it. But also, once you are known for doing these kinds of investigations— People who have stuff that no other media outlets can devote the resources and time to cover, they then seek you out. So that's part of the benefit uh, of when you do it. But it's expensive to do because those guys, I don't know what their their model is, but you can you can spend weeks or months tracking stuff down and it turns out not to be a story. There's an old axiom in journalism that uh, nothing kills a great story like the other side of it, <laughs> right? So uh yeah, like you could spend all your time and effort and then find out there's actually not a story there. And if you get a couple of those in a row and you haven't created content, you know, managers tend not to appreciate that. So Project Veritas, they just got some guy, an Antifa guy who's a public school teacher, I think out in Portland or Washington or Seattle, and he's out there and he's talking about how he specifically tries to radicalize kids. He says he has 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. So... I'm sure that's not a problem. He's Antifa, which is just an idea. So, although those tattoos all over his body look a little permanent. All righty, so you've got this uh, House Select Committee that's investigating the uh, January 6th riots, and the AP got a hold of the list of names that were totally confidential of people that the Democrats want telecom companies and social media companies to preserve phone and computer records. There are hundreds of these people, apparently. Totally confidential list. Among the hundreds of names are Trump's and those of several family members, including his children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, according to the person familiar with the request, who obviously wants to remain anonymous. You might say confidential. Also on the list are several of Trump's most ardent Republican allies in Congress, including GOP representatives Mo Brooks of Alabama, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Paul Gosar of Arizona, Matt Gates of Florida, Jody Heiss of Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Louis Gohmert of Texas, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, and Madison Cawthorn of North Carolina. So, What did I say? I think it was yesterday. I was talking about this, that they don't have Trump. He's off all the platforms. They got what they wanted, right? They got he got booted off of the social media platforms. And uh, now they need another Trump. They need another avatar upon which to project all of the evil that they can conjure up in their minds 
and describe. This is why, by the way, people on the right say that they are guilty of that which they accuse us, right? It's because, well, they are. And uh, <laughs> there are so many things like we went over yesterday, the phone call that Biden had with the Afghan president, literally doing the thing that they accused Trump of doing, right? The Russia collusion stuff, literally accusing Trump of being, you know, in the pocket of the Russians and all this evidence and everything. Meanwhile, you've got Hunter Biden's laptop and all of that, right? Accusing the right of being fascist. And then what do they do? They engage in kind of fascisty things, right? So you've got them going after these Congress members. And by the way, I have no doubt that they're looking for info on basically every single member of Congress. That's a Republican. That's my bet. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Lauren Boebert, um, who else is on this list? Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks, Madison Cawthorn. Uh, you know, they're, Madison Cawthorn and um, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and who was the other one? Lauren, Lauren Boebert and, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're, they're like the squad. They're like the Republican squad. They conjure up just, just such animosity on the left. Like they can't stand themselves just like the squad conjures up animosity on the right. <laughs> and so and like, and like a lot of it is warranted. I get really hacked off at a lot of stuff. Those four morons do um, AOC and Rashida Tlaib. Yeah. You know, the stuff that they say and the stuff that they get away with. Right. And so this is how the left looks at, you know, I've got a, had a pretty front row seat to Madison Cawthorn, literally like i I was actually in front of the front row. So when Madison Cawthorn was running for office in the the, uh, election last year, he ran against a guy named Mo Davis. And Mo Davis was, he he was sort of cut from the same cloth as Cal Cunningham. No, not the adultery cloth. Uh, Loincloth? Would that be the loincloth? No, but like, here's a Democrat. He's super progressive, but he kind of comes across as, uh, a, a attractive and maybe appealing to more moderate Republicans. And he was in the military. And so you got a military Democrat, just like Jeff Jackson, right? Who's running now. He's a white male military Democrat. And the idea is he'll trick Republicans into voting for him because they'll just see white male military guy. And they'll be like, Oh my gosh, I got to vote for him. He's a white male military guy. And so they just got to vote for him. That's the, that's the idea. Because when you start talking to these guys, you realize very quickly, holy smokes, you're a leftist, right? So Mo Davis had spent years on MSNBC. Well, really MSNBC, that's about it. But he had spent years over there saying the most vile and nasty stuff. He was on Twitter just tweeting out awful things. And... I wasn't aware of it because I didn't really follow the guy. I didn't care to follow the guy. I didn't know who he was except some, you know, talking head on MSNBC because uh, he was military. And he was, remember, he went, um, he was one of the guys at Gitmo. He's a lawyer at Gitmo and he got fired or whatever. And then he sued. And so the left loved him because he was anti-Republican Party. And then he got, uh, then he went up against Obama over something else. I forget what it was now. But, um, and, and then the left was like, eh, I'm not really so keen on this guy now but when he was running for congress they were like yes he's totally gonna win he's totally gonna win 
And of course, no, it's an R plus six district. He was not going to win, but they thought he was going to win. They thought he had a shot, especially because Madison Cawthorn was just such a terrible person and candidate. We could totally beat him. So I was asked to actually do a debate, to moderate a debate. And uh, one uh, be one of three, not even moderate. I shouldn't say that. I was one of three questioners. I got, I, uh, it was me and these two other reporters, and uh, we got to ask questions. And the first question I had for Mo Davis was, well, I read to him some of the worst tweets that he had. <laughs> I just read them to him. And I said, how can you expect people to vote for you when this is how you refer to them? Like, you're referring to more than half of your potential constituency here as terrible people. You know, he was just ripping on, you know, MAGA heads and these MAGATs, MAGATs or whatever, you know, you call them that. And he, he's the one who wrote um, the tweet about, you know, we want to step on their necks and crush them down into the ground until you hear them snap, you know, like that, like, like these really, really awful violence, porn fetish kind of tweets. And I just read them to him and I said, how can people expect you to represent them? And uh, and then he tried to say something to me like, well, like you, I was in the media and like, uh, no, not like me at all. <laughs> like, I don't say those sorts of things. Uh, also, I'm not running for Congress. I'm not asking to represent Democrats. So that's just me, like not me at all. And then it was after that debate. And all of a sudden, everybody was like, what, what? He's got a Twitter account. <laughs> like all of a sudden media was alerted to the fact that Mo Davis had said some really terrible things over months, actually over years on Twitter. And, uh, and then he lost. Yeah. So Madison Cawthorn is, uh, he's the one that got away for the left. They, they, they so wanted to beat him with Mo Davis, but Mo Davis was just a terrible candidate. So this time they think they're going to get him. And, they're pulling out all the stops and they're treating him like he's Donald Trump. And let me tell you, uh, he walks right into it a lot of time. He really does. He gets himself in a lot of trouble all the time because he says things that a 25-year-old says that he thinks is good and they're just not good sometimes. Oh, Democrat Benny Thompson, congressman from Mississippi, the committee's chairman. This is the uh, was it the House Select Committee on Investigating the Evil Republicans, I think is the name of it. He wrote a letter to the telecoms and the social media companies telling them to preserve um, all records of, um, you know, lap or yeah, computers as well as uh, mobile devices. And the letter says that the individuals listed hundreds, he said, may have relevant information to aid the fact-finding of the select committee, but he notes that inclusion on the list, quote, should not be viewed as indicative of any wrongdoing by that person or by anyone else. Yeah. Uh-huh. I I just put you on the list. Uh, innocent until proven guilty. Blah, 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 blah. And then you go and leak all of this to the press in order to do what? Induce this exact result, Right. You're trying to make people look at all of the the individuals on your little hit list as culpable, as guilty, as worthy of investigation, right? Now, there is one line buried at the very end of this story that I found to be kind of important. It says the request comes after the panel demanded a trove of records from federal intelligence and law enforcement agencies last week. 
Now, I'm actually very interested in those records. Very interested. After we learned about the FBI informants that were uh, put into the ring that led uh, or that tried to uh, uh, hatch a plan to kidnap Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer, is that her name? Whitmer? Whitmer? Right? F- there were, the FBI informant, the confidential informant, if I recall correctly, was the was the proponent of the plan, may have even crafted the details, helped him hammer out the uh, the details to make sure it went off without a hitch, you know? And then, of course, the FBI swoops in, rounds them all up, and busts everybody. Right? This is kind of... This is kind of the deal. Like, this is why for a long time uh, people would say that, for example, the, the, the KKK only exists as a vehicle for the FBI to arrest and investigate uh, militia and white supremacists, right? <laughs> because they don't, they don't, like, the Klan doesn't actually really do anything. So it's just like a way for the FBI to put somebody into an organization so they can network and and find out you know who all is involved in all of these groups and then you can keep an eye on them right it's basically a surveillance vehicle so i'm very interested to know how many of the folks like a couple of these groups have you noticed that like a lot of their people got rounded up but the leadership didn't which makes you wonder why the leaders wouldn't get rounded up right what am i missing now unless of course it's just to breed suspicion and resentment and that sort of thing. But the other explanation is that they were working with the government. So I, I'm, I am curious about that aspect. I'm sure we'll find out. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out. Oh, and uh, also the story mentions here at the very end as well, at least nine people who were at the Capitol that day died during or after the rioting, including a woman who was shot. Say her name. Hashtag. Ashley Babbitt, right? They don't ever say her name, but um, she was shot and killed by a a Capitol police officer uh, as she tried to break into the House chamber and three other Trump supporters who suffered medical emergencies, who had like heart attacks, right? Um, The uh, two police officers died by suicide in the days that immediately followed. A third officer, Brian Sicknick, collapsed and died after engaging with the protesters, but a medical examiner later determined that he died of natural causes, although... I would say probably induced somewhat from the stress because he, he had a stroke, I think, like the next day, right? Earlier this summer, Metropolitan Police announced that two more of their officers who had responded had uh, died by suicide as well. Which, of course, all of the deaths now, especially these suicides, these officer suicides, this, of course, fuels the conspiracy theories that they knew something, they were part of something, because I've seen the video as well. People in uniform letting the crowds into the building. I'd like an answer for that. Maybe we'll get one from the Democrats. What do you think? I mean, chances are not good, but I'd like an answer to that. Why were they letting folks into the building? Now, This story comes to us from my old friend Joel Burgess, the uh, Democratic activist with a byline over at the Asheville Citizen Times newspaper. Um, Headline, Madison Cawthorn had called January 6th rioters disgusting. Now they're political prisoners. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You can be both, by the way. Did you know that? It's possible. Yeah. 
They're not the same thing. You do, yeah, there, it's not an either-or proposition. Republican Representative Madison Cawthorn once called those who stormed the Capitol on January 6th disgusting, but now he says they are political prisoners, according to remarks made at a Macon County GOP event. That's in Western North Carolina. On January 6th, Cawthorn, who represents Western North Carolina's 11th district, spoke along with ex-president Donald Trump at the Stop the Steal rally, seeking to fire up attendees before they marched on the Capitol. The day after the riot, he called members of the mob disgusting and pathetic, saying he could not support their actions, even though they likely would have voted for him if they were in his district. Yeah. (laughs) That part's not a quote. That's just Joel Burgess telling us that they're they're totally Republicans. They were at the rally. Well, yeah, they, they were at the rally. So, yeah, they probably would have voted for him. But as long as we're speculating. Right. Which is what all good journalists do. They just make up stuff. Um. When an attendee of the August 29th event asked what he was doing to, quote, support the 535 Americans that were held, that were captured in from January 6th, Cawthorn used a different description for those who stormed the country's most important government complex. Quote, the big problem is we don't actually know where all the political prisoners are, he said, according to a video that was posted by uh, by some Twitter user, Yancey10005, who was a Cawthorn critic. Quote, and so if we were to actually be able to go and try and bust them out, and let me tell you the reason why they're taking these political prisoners is because they're trying to make an example because they don't want to see the mass protests going on in Washington. I'm not really following his argument there, but the big thing here is that he called them political prisoners. And I think when you keep people in prison for five, uh, or sorry, uh, was it now six months, five months, six months, when you keep them in prison, and I've heard stories like that they're not being allowed to see lawyers and such, um, when you, like, these people are not threats. They're definitely not uh, any more of a threat than the people that get released all the time for rioting, for protesting, for looting, for assaulting people, right? Just at the local DA level, people that do far worse. I mean, that's the thing. All of the people that they've arrested, they're not all the ones who were like beating up cops. There are people that were just there that just followed the crowd into the building. There are some of those people in that 535 uh, group. But this is an interesting line of attack from the left, don't you think? Kind of inconsistent. What with all of their claims for judicial reform and break the... School to prison pipeline, all of that stuff, right? The same ones who were celebrating that North Carolina or the Superior Court judge up in Wake County, um, those judges, the two, two Democrat judges who said felons should be able to vote, you know, even if they're still serving their sentence on probation or parole, because that's part of, you know, prison reform and whatnot, sentencing reform. They're totally fine with incarcerating people like this for five, six months without going to trial or anything. They're, so they're totally fine with that. See, it's all a, it's all a put-on. It's a put-on. These are They don't care about the actual people or the issues. They just use them as vehicles for power, right? All right, we're going to get some news here in a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about schools, the first part of the prison to school, uh, uh, the school to prison pipeline. The schools, terrible, terrible scores. But don't worry, it was because of COVID. It's up next. On News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT.